You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to listen to us through Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Follow us on your favorite service to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check us out on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com to find out more about what PCLV is all about. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. Sunday, amen, and, and rest up for the Dodgers. Hallelujah. My boys made it. You can raise up that hat. Yes, I represent LA. <laughs> and if you are Boston fans, good luck. Amen. I know that we're going to need it. Boston's the number one seed, and, and they, they look unstoppable, but uh, we have faith, and I believe the Dodgers are going to break that 30 year, it's been the 30 year drought, amen. Uh, though we made it back-to-back, I believe it's going to be a great series, so it all starts on Tuesday. I am advertising, and they do give me proceeds for this. Amen. Hallelujah. No, I'm, just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Amen. Praise God. I want to continue in the series of discipleship. Amen. And I want to continue to focus on the bill part of our, our statement that's back there. That's our motto. Amen. It's win, build, serve, send. Say that with me. Win, build, Serve, send. This, this is what, what Praise Chapel is all about, but it's really about the, the, the church of Jesus Christ. This is what the church ought to be doing, amen. But I want to focus on the build part. As I've been ministering uh, the last uh, few weeks on this, on discipleship, and so it's becoming a series, amen. And so uh, next week, amen, if you're here next week, I'll be ministering on a subject that's not ministered a lot in the churches today, and that's on the subject of hell. And so next Sunday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister a message that's entitled, Hell, It's For Real. And so I want to bring that forth, amen. We hear all these messages, we'll hear stories or messages of heaven, but hell is not mentioned a lot in the church today. And how many know there's a place called hell? And people that don't accept Jesus Christ are, are destined to that. And so we as a people of God need to be reminded of this place called hell. So I want to minister a message, Hell, It's Real, amen. And so... Next Sunday, we'll be, I'll be ministering on that if, if, if the Lord brings it about, amen. But today, I want to minister a message entitled, Size Doesn't Matter. Size Doesn't Matter, amen. That if you have a, you, know, you see, you look at people, and people uh, measure success by size. That if you have a large church or a large life group, a large amount of people attending your ministry, that... that that they must be really successful in what they're doing, but that's not the case all the time. Moses led the Israelites out of bondage and pastored two million of them. I Believe me, I would not want to pastor that church, amen. <laughs> Come on, too many people, that, that's too many people there. But, but how many know it's not by how many people we have, but how many disciples we have? Because it's all about going and making disciples. We here at PCLV are to win, build, serve, send. If that is our, our, our case, if that is our mission statement, then we as a church, we as individuals, must focus on the build part. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, or our, our scripture, it says this, 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. I'm here to let you know this morning that Jesus came to serve and make disciples. Amen? So let's look at Jesus' ministry. See, at the end of three unbelievable years, amen, after drawing thousands upon thousands of people, I mean, raising the dead, opening the eyes of the blind, amen, uh, seeing the lame walk, amen, casting out demons, and the list can go on and on of all the things that Jesus did. Do you know how many in his church were attending after he died for our sins? We're seeing where you hear thousands, you hear thousands of multitudes of people getting saved and healed. After all that, three unbelievable years at the end of his ministry, you know how many people were in his church? 120. The Bible says in the book of Acts that they were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. In today's world, amen, a, a, ch a church of that size would not catch the attention of nobody. It would be considered a small church. If they would analyze Jesus' ministry at the time of death by today's standards, the analyst would say that he didn't have the ability to hold on to people, that he wasn't organized enough. Others might say that he required too much commitment, faithfulness, and loyalty. You see, Jesus focuses ministry on making disciples. His strategy was never to make a big church or a mega church, but it was always to go and make disciples. Now, over 2,000 years ago, we see that his strategy of making disciples is what really is what it's all about. But the church has lost that today. People are focused on the mega. People are focused on programs, compromise, don't offend. Come on. Today we have homosexual churches. There are Christian churches. Let me tell you guys. We have churches that are not preaching against sin, and we see that the church that used to call what was evil, now they call good. Are you following me? But his church that started over 2,000 years ago still stands today, church, because there is still a people that are going out into all the nations and making disciples. You see, the crowds always bailed on Jesus in times of persecution, in times of distress. But it's disciples, amen, that have carried the precious message of salvation, the ones that have carried the good news and the gospel from generation to generation. You see, great men and women have come and gone. Great revivals, great movements have come and gone. Great churches have been built in his name. But at the end of the day, going out and making disciples is what moved throughout the generations. That when the church, amen, no matter how glorious or how successful it may appear to be, if they have failed making disciples, the next generation is lost. Come on, somebody follow me. See, a lot of things that when I'm preaching today is not preaching the church today. Because they have forgot, the, they forgot what, 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 the, what Jesus gave us. They forgot the blueprint. They, they forgot what it was all about. It was about the individual. It's going out and reaching the lost. You see, Jesus made disciples. 
Jesus spent his time with his disciples. Disciple making is the foundation of the church. Listen, when spectators replace disciples, disciple making gets lost in the world. And when that happens, church, church becomes a place of entertainment, a feel-good service. People come to church just to feel good. Come on, somebody. Come on, there's no attachments. You know what? And they come and check it out, and they check out the wall in the church. They check out the entertainment. They check out the lights. They check out the worship band. They, they come and check out all the programs they may have. They look at how big it is and how beautiful the building is and everything else. And all they go is to check out the place, get entertained for an hour, amen, and feel good just for that time and go home. When numbers measure success, when, when numbers become more important than people, the importance of making discipleship is lost. Disciple-making was the Lord's method for preparing future leaders for his church. See, his last command to the church was this. In Matthew chapter 28, 19, are you guys hot or cold? Thank you. (laughs) Tell your neighbor thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want people freezing, but you get a little cold, just get next to your neighbor. It's all right. Amen. If you don't know that neighbor and you're the opposite sex, stop it. Suffer. Amen. (laughs) But Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says this. What it says, therefore go. Somebody say go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. See, this this statement right here, amen, this is the last very words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he ascended back to the Father, amen. This was not a suggestion. This was not an option. This is still a command to the church, is to go and make disciples. Command means this, a direct order that must be obeyed or else. Did you get that? Command is a direct order that must be obeyed or else. This is not to compromise it. This is not to, 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 to say this is a great idea. It's not a great idea. It's a method. This is what God wants his church to do is to go into all nations, all neighborhoods, not just your neighborhood. Amen. Come on, somebody. Go to all nations and go and make disciples. This is what he wants the church to do. To do. This is a great commission, amen. The active, the, the active verb word here is to is make, to go make disciple. Make requires action, work, time, and energy. See, when you go make, you're gonna have to spend some time, you're gonna have to work at it, you're gonna have some kind of action requirement from you, you're gonna have to give some of your energy. Come on, you go out and make disciples. You go and preach the good news to those that are lost. Amen. It's just to go into the highways, uh, into the byways, uh, and preach the gospel. Amen. Let me tell you, if the church don't go out and preach, they won't come in. Come on. There's proof right here with my brother right here. 
They went out to the streets. They got outside the four walls of the church and say, we want to share something to you. We want to share. When you invite somebody, that's what you're doing. I want to share something to you. I want to tell you about a friend. I want to tell you what happened, what God has done in my life. And through that, it brings them to say, you know what? There's something that has to be in life. I, I need to get to church. Come visit the church. You got to go. Somebody say Go. We got to go. Go. Hallelujah. Even the young know that. Amen. Hallelujah. We got to go. It's really simple, church. It's to go. But see, a lot of people don't want to work. A lot of people don't want to give their time. A lot of people don't want to give their energy. They'd rather stay in the comfort of their home while the, while the world goes to hell. Come on, somebody. Well... Let me tell you, when the Lord comes back, and I mean, know he's coming back. When the Lord comes back, I hope I'm not sitting in a, in a chair watching TV. I hope I'm telling somebody about Jesus. I hope I'm giving out a flyer to somebody. I hope I'm praying over somebody. I hope I'm reading my word. I hope I'm doing something besides doing nothing. Are you following me? See, Jesus is commanding us. Say, hey, he's commanding you. Point to somebody. Some of you guys got to point to yourself. He's commanding me. Come on, he's commanding us to go and make disciples without any questions. It's not an option. He says, go make. If you're my disciple, go make. If you're a church follower, go make. If you call yourself a Christian, Go make. Amen. This is not an option. Come on. He doesn't leave room for option here. His command is to go and make. It's a direct order or else. I thank God that someone came to tell me about Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank God that somebody prayed for me. Amen. Come on. When I was broken and lost in the world, caught up and, and brought up, amen, and caught up in drugs and all that, it was because someone told me someone died for me. Someone loves me. Someone, someone has a plan for my life. Amen. They listened to the command and they went out. And I came out in. See, when it came to drawing crowds for an event, I'm, I'm here to let you know, Jesus had it down. He knew how to draw the people. He knew how to bring in the, the big crowds because he had the power to do that. He can heal any kind of disease. He can heal any kind of sickness. He had a miracle food program. Come on, he fed 5,000 people. Come on, with two fishes and five loaves of bread. I don't know about you, but I don't know. I would go see that. Would you? Come on, here it is. I mean, he had power drop. People were getting healed. Where's this guy at? Every time they heard he's in town, people came. Why? Because they wanted something. He can meet a need of any kind. Remember with the, the woman with the issue of blood? 12 years suffering with an issue of blood, walk, spending all her money, going after doctor after doctor, everything else, amen, going through whatever she needed to do, amen. And all it took is one touch from Jesus. And she knew he was coming into town, and he knew, man, I'm, I'm here for my miracle. See, we need people of faith like that that will come for the miracle. See, God knew how to draw. Jesus knew how to draw the crowds, amen. But through, but through all that, though we can... Draw the crowd, he could not keep the crowd.
Because his tension was on disciple making. His call was for a deeper commitment. Hello? His call was for more than people were willing to give. See, people come because they want something. But they don't come to give something. Come on, they, they come for a need, amen. And when the need is met, guess what? See you later. Thanks, God. Thanks for the job. Thanks for healing me. Thanks for working on this and that and whatever it is. And then you're, you're out. But he's looking for something deeper. He's not here to be a sugar daddy in the sky and give you everything that you want. Come on, somebody. He wants commitment. He wants faithfulness. He wants loyalty. He's calling for a lot more. Over and over, you read the scriptures, church. He said, if anyone does not take up their cross, if anyone does not deny themselves, amen. Come on, if anyone wants to follow me, amen. If they don't follow me and do these things, they're unworthy and they're not my disciples. That's what the Bible says. It's not Pastor Art saying, if you deny yourself, if you don't deny yourself and you don't, come after me, then you're really not my, my disciple. You know what you are? You're just a churchgoer looking for something, some, some free thing. You're looking for something. And I'm not saying God's not here to bless you. And I'm not saying you cannot call on God. I just said a little while ago, ask and he'll give. He's here to bless your people, but he's not here as a charity. Come on, this, this is not, this ain't welfare Christianity. Give me something and I do nothing. And even that itself, church, and I'm not downing that. It's there for a need, but not to you to stay on. See, you come for a need, and he says, I'll meet your need, but don't stay with that mentality. Come on, now you got to get back. Now you got to work. Now you got to do something, amen. Don't come to him for those reasons, because he's looking for commitment. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny the flesh. He deals with the flesh right away. He says, you know, you can't do what you want to do anymore. You want to follow me? You're going to, there's certain things that you're going to have to stop. Hello. There's certain things that you're going to have to give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, give it up. <laughs> Come on. What, what, what are you holding on to? I know it's a desire. I know it's something you like, but it but if you hold on to that, you can't be his disciple. If you hold on to that, you can't get in. Those are things that stop us, amen. It takes a total commitment. It takes, see, Jesus was looking for more. And when he asked for more, people bailed. After he met their need. After he's done a miracle in their lives. After he raises the dead and opens the eyes of the blind. I'm talking about, th these, are, these are miracles. I mean, the, the man that was, he was born blind. He never saw in his life, and Jesus heals him for the first time he opens his eyes. That's God. But he wants commitment. So if you want to be my disciple, you must deny your flesh. Then he goes on to say, you must pick up your crown, your cross. You need to pick up your cross, amen. You need to put on your crown daily. He says this has to be every single day. Every day that you wake up, you got to make a choice. Today I follow Christ. To die, today I die to self, amen, and I live for Christ. you got to make that commitment every You've got to make that in your mind every day. Today I'm going to follow you, Joe. 
Today I'm picking up my cross. Today I'm putting on my crown. Today I'm denying myself. Amen. See, God says, I need a daily commitment. I, I need a daily loyalty. I, I need a daily faithfulness from you. Uh, come on, it can't just be on Sunday morning. Come on, it just can't be, amen, when you feel like it on a Wednesday night. Come on, it just can't be that, you know what, oh man, we got two things uh, for men, amen. And you know you can make both of them and you stay home. Let me tell you, you're not truly following Christ. Come on, somebody. I'm speaking truth. Do you want to be a disciple or not? If you don't, you stay home. That's okay. Make a choice. That's why the Bible says, I'd rather have you hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. He'd rather say, you know what? I don't want it. God says, that's cool. That's your choice. Then somebody says, oh, I want it sometimes and I don't want it sometimes. I want it today because I'm looking for something. This is a a life thing, church. He's looking for disciples. He's looking. He's not building a church. He's not building a mega church. That was never his attention, was to go and make disciples. And see, once he started to preach this, once he got the crowd, okay, oh, we're here. You got our attention, Jesus. Woo, thank you for the healing Thank you for the miracle. Thank you, I got the job. Thank you for putting in a good word for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for healing my marriage. Amen. Thank you, all all this stuff, amen. But after hearing this, the crowds will walk away. Commitment, loyalty, faithfulness, I'm out of here. Kind of like the people today. People want to just come and go. And you can do that in a mega church. People will not notice you. All they're looking at you is a dollar sign sometimes. Not putting down the mega church. But sometimes you get lost in the crowd. You get lost. And God's looking for commitment. People come into church and they want to just come and go. And you can do that. The church is here for everyone. But if you want God to do something in your life, and you want to step into the promises of God, there has to be commitment. Come on. Can you go to college and say, give me my degree without going to school? <laughs> They're going to say, shh, how much you got? <laughs> Maybe you can buy your way sometimes, but you no, know, really, you can't buy your way into heaven. Well, <laughs> well, what, what, what have you done? <laughs> Come on, in in the kingdom of God, you can't sleep around and get something. Hello. Come on. Sometimes we're sleeping with the enemy and still want things from God. Hello. Can Can I get real here? Come on, can we get real? Some people like to two time God. Two times. Double time. You get what I mean. Two timing God. Two timing. Him and you know who the other person is. Like that song, got two lovers, but they're not the same, amen. <laughs> they're both different people. Mary Wells, oh, oh, forget it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I ain't, I ain't taking you back, girl. <laughs> she was already going like this. <laughs> like, calm down, calm down. Come on, people just want to come and go, and that, that's, that's up to you guys. That, that's, you have free will. You can do whatever you want. 
But God is looking for commitment because once the church starts to talk, talk about commitment, I'm out of here. Or they shut down. Oh, here comes Pastor Old Man. He's going to say something. He's going to ask me to do something. I, I've seen men run. I'm literally, they, they ran to their car, amen. Once they say, you seen Brother So-and-so? He was just here, and the burrito's still there. Once commitment's mentioned, people shut down. Because God wants something from you. He gave you something. See, God has done so much in my life. <laughs> I cannot pay him. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot do anything to out, outdo what he's done in my life, but at least I can serve him and give my life for him because he gave his life for me. And my thing is I'm laying down my life no matter what. This is my life. This is what I chose. This is what I want to do. And through that, his blessings are released. I stand here as a blessed man. Do I have trials? Do I have storms? Yes. But I have a God that helps me overcome those things. I've learned to lean upon him and not on my own understanding. I know who my God is and I'm beginning to know him more and more every day because the more and more I know him, the more and more I fall in love with him. If you commit yourself, you'll find out. If you commit yourself, you'll find out what the relationship is really all about because if for being successful in a marriage, there has to be what? Commitment. You're committed? Come on, it, it, when you get married, you get gooder and gooder after that. Not worse and worse. Now I don't have to tell you I love you no more. Well, you know. Yeah, God even knows. But yet, I still tell him I love you. Come on, I'm pretty sure your spouse likes to hear that. Wives say amen. Come on. Come on, just saying. Sometimes we don't even go, we haven't said it for so long, we forgot how to say, I love you, without feeling goofy. I, you know. It's not like, you can't say, I like you a lot. <laughs> you got to say love. I mean, there's different ways of expressing love, church, but let me tell you, the word love is very powerful. When you say, I love you, it changes people's minds. When you go to a stranger and say, you know, I don't know you, but you know what? Jesus loves you. Man, somebody loves me. It's an awesome feeling to be loved by someone. See, when the young rich ruler in Mark chapter 10 came to Jesus, the Bible says that he came running to him. He was running to him. He was seeking eternal life. He was wondering, what did I need to do to make sure I'm in, make sure I get it all in? And what it is, the Bible was very clear here in this passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 10. I don't have the verses, but you can read Mark chapter 10, amen. The Bible calls it very clear. The Bible says that, that Jesus looked at this young man, and he what? Loved him. The Bible says that he looked at him and loved him, amen, because this man knew the word of God, amen. He followed it. He says, ever since I was young, I learned your word. He goes, you know my commandments? He says, yes, I, I've kept them, amen. You know, I went to church. I, I did my thing. But he looked at him. He says, man, I would love. He says, he looked at him, and he goes, I loved him, amen. And he said, one thing you lack. He tells him, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you'll have a treasure in heaven. And come and what? And follow me. 
You, you, you search the scriptures. This was the only young man that he looked at and, and with love and said, you know what? This guy can do something great. This guy can be the 13th disciple. This is the only man that said, come and follow me. Everyone else, he said, what? Go home and tell your family. Go home and tell, tell them what the Lord has done. But this young man, he's seen the quality. He see the talent inside of him. He looked at him with love and said, you know what? Go sell everything you have. You'll have a treasure in heaven. Follow me. You see, the cost of following Jesus is total commitment. Jesus left him no excuse from becoming a disciple. Go and sell everything you have. Let go of everything that you're holding on to. Let it all go. Everything. Trust in me. Follow me. And you'll have a treasure in heaven. Matthew chapter 10, 37 and 38 says this. This is Jesus speaking here. If anyone loves their father or their mother more than me, is not worthy of me. If anyone loves their son or daughter more than me, is not worthy of me. I'll go on and say, if anyone loves their granddaughter, their grandson more than me, is not worthy of me. I mean, you can add whatever you want to that, amen. And it goes on to say, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I don't know about you, but that looks like total commitment. Total commitment. I'm not saying that you don't love your father. I'm not saying that you can't love your mother or your son or your brother or, or sisters or anything like that. But he says, if you love them more, you're not my disciple. God has to be number one. I love God so much that I left my mom. I left my sisters. I left my family because I love God more. I don't love them any less. I love my mom. She loves me. She comes here. She brags about me. My son, the preacher. My mom, my mom, my, my mom is the biggest fan on Facebook following me. I love my mom, but God, I love more. And she knows that. And she's okay with that. You gotta love. He says, if you want, if you want to be my disciple, you gotta love me more than anybody else in order to be my disciple. I don't know about you, but that sounds like total, total commitment, right? That, that's what God is looking. That's how you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what's required, church. In order to be great, let me tell you, it makes everything else greater because my love for my mom grew, her love for me grew, everything grew on the other relationships because I put him first. Hello? I'm telling you, it works out. It sounds, it sounds bad, but it's really not bad. It's good. Because the more you love God, guess what? You're going to love your wife better. You're going to love your husband better. You're going to love your sons better. You're going to, are you following me, man? You're going to love other people better if you love God first. He makes you a better person to love more. So he's improving your love for your relationships with one another. How the, how the scripture says, you know, the world will know you that you're my disciples by the way you what? Love one another. 
It's all connected, church. It all, let me tell you, it connects, it blesses if you simply commit yourself and put God number one in your life. This is the cost of being disciples. Seeing the story of the rich young ruler, the Bible says that he walked away. After hearing this, he walked away with his head down because he didn't want to commit. He didn't want to put, he didn't want to be faithful. He didn't want to, he didn't want to be loyal to him. And he didn't want to stop doing what he was doing. He liked his money more than God. He thought it was going to be something simple. He thought I could run to the master, run to church and say, can I just show up? Does that get me in? He says, man, you got a great heart. There's one thing I'm asking for you. See, we come with the same intentions, church. We come in. We want God. We want his blessings. We come to the church. We come running. But then he asks you, I need one more thing. Can you really commit me? Can you really commit your life to this? Because I want to bless you. And I want to bless you in your relationships. Some of you guys are looking for relationships in the world. And you're going from relationship to relationship to relationship because it's not for you. God has something better for you. And we're running and we're running. He says, commit yourself and I'll put everything in place. I'll put everything in order. If you come jacked up, amen, I'll fix you too. He does this thing. He turns what seems bad to good, amen. This is the kind of God that we serve today. Are you guys getting too cold now? All right, all right. Just checking it, man, because I'm being sensitive here, all right? <laughs> I'm cool, man. I'll go either way. Come on, I can be cool and preach. Amen. If I get hot, I can preach better. No, I'm just... <laughs> You see, most leaders of churches today, if you go to leadership, they're worried about how big the crowd is going to be on Sunday. How big the crowd is going to be on Wednesday. I wonder if we're going to get a great response on Goldman. I wonder if we're going to get a great response on Iron Sharpers on Friday. We're, we're so worried about who's coming in. See, I'm not worried about the crowd. I'm focused on who's here. My focus is on the individual. Just like Christ is focused on whoever comes through the door. That's my intention. Don't worry about everybody else. Worry about the one that's here. We pray for the those that are, that are not here. But we, we, we focus on the one that's here. See, you got God's focus today. You got God's attention today. If you came here, he's looking at you. He wants to meet your need. He wants, to, he wants to touch your life. He wants to change you. He wants to show how much he loves you. He says, if you put me first, you commit yourself to me first, watch what I'll do to your life. I'll blow your mind. I'll show you how to love. I'll show you how to find a right relationship by building a right relationship with me. I'll show you how a relationship looks like. I'll show you how a man's supposed to treat a woman. I'll show you how a man treats a woman. Through his love, church. I believe that our concern shouldn't be about the crowd. Our concern should not be, should be on the quality of disciples that we're making. The word disciple appears in the New Testament 269 times. Do you, mean, you know how many times the word Christian is found? Three times. The word Christian was used to describe the disciple of Jesus. God is not looking to make Christians. He's looking to make disciples. And Christians is a person that says, I'm a disciple of Christ. In the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 25, 26, this is one of the times it shows that. 
It says that Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians at, the first, at first at Antioch. See, our, one author writes this. The New Testament is about a, disciples by disciples for disciples of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The New Testament, come on, is about disciples by disciples and for disciples of Jesus Christ. As I pastor, I have to remind myself that the religious world parades success on crowds, but Jesus was a disciple maker. See, Jesus never left the big temple or a big church building for from his movement, Jesus left what? Disciples. Jesus didn't leave them a building, money, reputation. He left them with a command to go and make disciples. The question is, are we doing that? Are we making disciples? Or is our focus on the crowd? I mean, are we making disciples? Are we focusing on the one, church? Let me tell you, you don't have to be a, have ministry to make disciples. All you need is a little Jesus, a little testimony, and sharing something with someone. Dads, you, you're the priest of your home. Are you discipling your children? Because if you're not, guess who else is discipling them? Someone's discipling them. Is either their schools or the world's going to disciple them. Are you teaching them what to do? Come on. Are you discipling your grandchildren? I think some of that responsibility falls on grandpa and grandma. I have to disciple my Jaden. I, I tell Jay, what do, you, what do you learn? Talk to me, boy. <laughs> you doing anything bad? What do you do? I, I, I say, you need to act right. Don't be a follower. Be a leader. I, I'm teaching them. To, I get, you got to disciple them young, church. Don't give it to the world and say, well, they'll figure it out. Disciple them. We have to disciple one another. Come on, are we discipling each other? Are we building each other up in, in, in relationships? Are we discipling with one another through the word of God? Are, are we doing what we need to do, church? Or are we just focused on the crowds? Disciple making has always been on the outside circle of religion. Inside the religious circles, we want big buildings. Come on, we want nice programs with no conviction. We want, we want some clean preaching. Don't, don't mention sin. Don't talk about hell. Just talk about blessings. Talk about heaven. Talk about just, you know, live happily ever after type of stuff. And all that's good, church, and that's all part of it. But you got to know the truth. You know? We got, we, got to, we got to think outside. Don't get in the religious circle. Don't think about the big church. Don't think about how nice we have things, man. Are we making disciples? See, disciple making in the church has chosen another path to take. One writer puts it like this Robert Coleman, in the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, says this We should not expect a great number to begin with, nor should we desire it. The best work has always been done with few. Better to give 
a year or so to one or two men who learn what it means to conquer for Christ than to spend a lifetime with a congregation who keeps the program going. I'm not here to keep the program going. I'm here to make disciples. PCLV is here to make disciples. We're not just here to just, we survived another year. The church doors are still open. But are we making disciples? I mean, we have got off course ourselves. We got caught up. We need to make. And though once commitment comes over this pulpit church, I know I'm going to lose a few people, and that's okay. But we're looking for commitment because I'm looking for the best for you. He wants to give you the best, but it requires commitment. It requires loyalty. It requires faithfulness. If you can't give these threes, you can't get everything. You'll come, you'll feel good. You'll come and you'll do something and say, I did something. But no, it requires a lot more than that. It requires your life. And when you give him your life, church, I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. Why are you holding on to? What does the world have? What is it that, that, that has you so bound up that you can't let go? Is it a job? Is it is this, this and that? What is it? You know, the Bible even says, what would profit a man if you gained the whole world but lost your soul? Is it worth it? Heaven and hell? Is it really worth it? Really, it's not an option for me. I don't want hell. Who wants hell here? <laughs> I don't think anybody will raise their hand and say, I want hell, but yet we're living like that. Like we, we're going, that's where our destiny is, and we're not giving our life completely to God. You can't earn. We know bottom line, grace gets us in. You can't work your while. You can't say, I'm going to work and go, 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 go. No, God looks at the heart. We've got to do it from our heart and say, this is, what I, this is what I love to do. I love to see lives transformed. I love to see couples and families come in and see something transform on, on young people. That's, that's my reward for doing what I do. No, man, there's a crown waiting for me. I can't wait to the day I see Jesus face to face and say, you know what, thank you. Thank you for what you did for my life and how you restored my marriage and how you delivered me and how you just... Oh, I can't wait for that day. It's all going to be worth it. I wasn't going to allow this to be a hang-up. I was not going to allow a, a person or a wrong relationship to keep me out from the blessings of God. You have to give it all, church. Because we're not just keep, otherwise you're just keeping a program going in your life. I'm a church goer. I go on Sundays. Once in a while on Wednesdays. It's a commitment. When you start to give your life to God, and, and when these doors are open, and when there's things going on, and, and there's nothing that you're doing, you should be here. And I know there's times, and there's different things, and that's all right, but you can't make it a habit. It, it, it requires commitment. You go to your job, man, you, you can't just come and go as you want, right? You want the check, right? You've got to work. <laughs> you, want, you want some money at the end of the week? Guess what? You, you have to work for it. You want to get over to heaven after all this is done? Guess what? You're going to have to put some time in. I said the statement before that, that we want 
full-time benefits by being part-time Christians. It doesn't work that way. And we can't be part-time Christians when, we, when there's a full-time devil out there that's after you. And his mission, he has a mission t- statement too. We have win, build, serve, sin. His mission statement is to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. That's his mission statement towards you. And he does a great job at that. And he's committed. Let me tell you, he's committed, he's loyal, and he's faithful to that mission statement. Come on, John 10.10. You can read that. It says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We know who the thief is. He's coming after your home. He's coming after your children. He wants to destroy you. He 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 doesn't care nothing about you. But Jesus said, he goes, I've come to give you what? Life. And life more abundantly. I don't know about you. I'd rather have life than death. You gotta really, you gotta, you gotta put this in perspective, church. There's only two choices. It's heaven or hell. That's that those are the only choices. The smoking section and the non-smoking section. That's it. Those are the two choices. There is no middle ground. You can deny God all you want. There's atheists out there, they deny. Yet they're denying a God that don't, they, they, they don't even believe in. <laughs> I met an atheist a couple weeks ago, amen, and I talked to him, and he was open-minded to me. And I let him share his ideas. I want to know what, what got him to think like that. I want to get to know him. I invited him to church. He looked at me and he goes, I'm atheist. I said, I don't care. <laughs> atheists are welcome to the church, amen. <laughs> Just come check it out. That's all I'm saying. And we talked a little bit, and we laughed, and, 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 I, and I, I blessed him. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. And he, he said, I appreciate that. So they can claim all they want. There's, everyone's a believer. They just choose not to. Just like everyone, the church is for everybody, they just choose not to come. So you can say all this, you can blame all this, but bottom line, those are the two choices at the end. There is no middle ground, church. It's heaven or hell. You can take the one that comes to kill, seal, destroy, the one that comes to give you life and life more abundantly. It's really the choice. But if you want life more abundantly, you're going to have to commit. You're going to have to be faithful, and you're going to have to be loyal. And when you do, life does come, and it does come abundantly. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, there's people here. We're living examples that, man, this is the abundant life. Do I have everything? No, but I have everything I need, and it's Jesus. I'm telling you, that's all you need, Jesus. You can search this whole world looking for things that will satisfy your soul. I did, man. I looked for, for in a bottle. I looked at it in a drug. I looked at it in women. I looked at it in different things. It did not satisfy. At the end of all that, come on, when I was all alone, I was empty, barren, nothing, amen. The devil ripped me off. I wake up in a jail cell, do this or do something stupid, amen. And, and here I am. I said, man, this is it, man. And then finally something opens up and God says, I want, I got something greater for you. The world will take and take and take. It'll give you a little bit. Just like Vegas will. They'll give you to win a little bit. But guess what? At the end, boom, they hook you. And once you're hooked, guess what? You can't get away. They got you. And you keep going back because you want more. And they put that desire inside of you. And what it does, it gives you a little bit. And also you get all happy and boom, take you again. And now you're hooked. That's what the world does. That's what drugs does. That's what these bad relationships do. But God's come to give you a great relationship. And give you something that, you know what? You'll never come down. 
Come on. This is the best high that you'll never come down. If you, if you stay committed, if you stay loyal and faithful, you'll never come down. You're on a, you're on a continuous high. It doesn't cost you anything but just to serve Him. Give Him your life for it. Once you, part, you bring it part of your life and say, this is who I am, it, just, it, it becomes really easy in church. It does. There's things that other things that are required in that, things that we got to do. But we learn that as we walk. People teach us. They disciple us. We disciple each other. We make each other better. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I'm going to close today. I'm hungry now. But the pattern of disciple making Jesus left us is still relevant today. And the command he gave us to go and make disciples still stands until he returns. If we're not making disciples, then we really got to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Amen. Let's go and make disciples just like what he commanded us to do. Amen. Let's not focus on the crowd, but the individual. Because size here let you know really doesn't matter the quality of the disciples do somebody say amen let's all stand hallelujah